Good morning, I'm Maya Wimala, and today is a beautiful, bright, sunny day. So it feels we're in the very middle of summer. So I hope wherever you are, the weather isn't too, too unbearable. We've got lots of high temperatures here. There's lots of horrible flooding in Europe fires here. The world is definitely experiencing some trauma. So I hope you're in a safe place and I hope you are able to take care of yourself. And if you're if you're in a place where you're not dealing with horrible weather, um, let me just advise you, don't try to take in so much that you become overwhelmed with sadness or grief or fear about all the things happening in the world, just the weather alone, much less political things and what's happening around the world for different peoples. Um, be careful how much you take in and maintain your practice and Try to just understand that this is the world of samsara. This is the way the world is. And sometimes uh, with all of the advanced technology we have, we, we can see a lot of it that can be very dismaying. And our work is to stay, uh, to stay and become more dispassionate so we can be able to be of more help. So I hope you, you aren't uh, overloading yourself on images and uh, repeated you know, newscast of all the bad news and bad things happening. Take some time for yourself, be out in nature, uh, find beauty in your world, See what you can do. Take your, take those feelings you may have about uh, being so concerned for others and put them into action. Do little things that you can do. If you can do big things, do those. But uh, that's the best way to help. So it just, um, it just feels like we're just in a, a transition time in this world right now, right? And we have to we have to deal with it. So let's read from our wonderful book. Gets our focus back on our practice and thinking about what we can do and what we cannot, what we can't change, what we can change. Uh, Dhamma everywhere. It's a little book, but it's very. Uh, powerful by Ashin Tejaniya or Sayadaw Utejaniya. Wisdomstream.org wisdom is the American uh, uh, website for his American <coughs> um, where his books are available and lots of videos and talks and different things where you can connect, and that's in Berkeley. But he is in Myanmar and has a retreat center there. So lots of his talk, lots of these are his talks to people at the retreat center. 
there. So we're in the section, it's page 125 in the book, and this is still in his, in a nutshell, and it's about um, meditation and taking the practice back from being at a long retreat back into your daily life and making your meditation be your practice, you know, your everyday, your wakefulness practice. And whenever he uses the word yogis, he means meditators. So he's, when he's, that's, uh, that's the term he uses. Yogis tend to close their eyes when they want to meditate. Many yogis who have been practicing for some time may not be adept yet in meditating while looking, seeing, and talking as they haven't had much practice in these areas. Keeping your eyes closed or open is not what is important. What is key is whether the mind is wholesome or unwholesome. Is looking the same as seeing? Can you see without looking? Ask some questions while meditating. This interest, inquiry, and curiosity can determine how narrow or expansive the field of awareness can be. If you limit yourself only to our discussion questions, this will only take you so far. In my early days of practice, I had heard people talk about the nature of impermanence. I asked myself, is there anything that might be permanent? I experimented and I looked around I still haven't found it, although it might be out there. And there's a picture with a uh, quote under it. We practice because defilements are very strong. And those defilements, are, we have to keep practicing. They're strong. They want to come back. It's really hard to uh, cut them off at the base. So that's why we always practice. That's why the Buddha continued to practice uh, all of his life. When you just wait and watch, there is more awareness of objects and awareness of the mind knowing these objects as well. You'll know for sure when there is awareness and you'll also know for sure when awareness is not there. First, awareness leads. Then after practicing for some time and many understandings later, awareness and wisdom will arise together. Later on, wisdom leads. It's not so easy for this to happen. We need to gather a lot of information when we are doing the practice of awareness plus wisdom. Why do we have to practice? We practice because defilements are very strong. Just observe your mind with anything that happens. Is greed or aversion already present? Or is there awareness plus wisdom? He calls it awareness wisdom. But when he writes it, he writes awareness and a little plus sign wisdom. How does the mind feel when there are unwholesome mental states? 
What does experience? Do you feel dissatisfied or frustrated by the experience? Or can you accept what is happening as it is? Continuing to practice with wrong attitudes will only fuel more aversion, and you may eventually become discouraged with the situation. When there is right attitude with wisdom, it is possible for the mind to accept things as they are. But do note that while wisdom accepts whatever is happening as objects, wisdom does not accept unwholesome qualities in the observing mind. So, let me read that again. When there is right attitude with wisdom, it is possible for the mind to accept things as they are. But do note that while wisdom accepts whatever is happening as objects, wisdom does not accept unwholesome qualities in the observing mind. A yogi who is always watching the mind will notice each time that unwholesome mental state arises. It may seem as if there is a great deal of these states happening. If the yogi views what is happening with the wrong attitude, then these are personally happening to her or him. Let me read that sentence again. If the yogi views what is happening with the wrong attitude, that these are personally happening just to him, he'll become distressed. When awareness and wisdom grow, with the right attitude working in the background, this same yogi may even feel joyful interest in recognizing these states as they are. Piti somanasa, joyful interest, to recognize, recognizing states as they are. Here's an analogy. If a policeman were able to catch the thief every time he stole something, this policeman would be promoted up the ranks. On the other hand, a demotion might be headed his way if the policeman kept missing the thief. Here, the thief is always stealing something. Are you going to experience objects with defilements whenever they arise? Or are you going to observe with wisdom? Pay attention with awareness wisdom. Otherwise, defilements will have already taken over the experience. When you recognize thinking as thinking, the mind becomes clear. The mind becomes clear because of awareness. Otherwise, when the mind isn't aware of thinking happening, it can be cloudy or hazy. Thinking is not a problem when you recognize it as an object, like, just like you recognize breathing as an object. You may have heard from others that too many thoughts are not good and you won't get any, you won't get any samadhi from it, that stable stability of the mind. Don't make these decisions based on objects. What's more important is that awareness is present. If there's awareness, it's good. The objects have nothing to do with you. If awareness is, is strong, thoughts will lessen by themselves. 
Even then, we are only talking about a decrease in surface-level thinking. You know, we always talk about uh, don't try to repress the thoughts, don't try, don't try to eliminate them, because the thoughts are always going on. That's what the brain does. So I like this, even if the thoughts lessen by themselves because of your practice over and over, even then we are only talking about a decrease of surface level thinking. That thinking is going on. So what do we need to do about it? Just recognize that thinking is thinking, that thinking is there. When you recognize thinking as thinking, the mind becomes clear. So thinking is just one of those senses in action, the sense doors. If awareness is strong, thoughts will lessen by themselves. Even then, we are only talking about a decrease in surface-level thinking. Thoughts related to what's happening at home or about some unfinished business are primarily surface-level thinking. When these lessen and you see more subtle thoughts, it may seem like there is a lot happening. You may notice a whole lot more thoughts happening at a subtle level. These will seem to have increased. The mind is talking from the moment you wake up to when you go to bed. It's so loud sometimes. What does the mind say as soon as it wakes up? <laughs> then he says, I need to use the toilet and laughs. <laughs> In fact, these are thoughts that can only be seen when sati, mindfulness, and samadhi, that more stable mind, are strong. Okay, I'll repeat that because we may not even be aware of these. In fact, these are thoughts that can only be seen when sati and samadhi are strong. The mind is labeling different things, judging, reading signs or numbers, talking or interpreting meanings. When sati was weaker, you couldn't see the mind at work every time there was contact with objects. And remember, sati is mindfulness. So when your sati was weaker, you couldn't see the mind at work every time there was contact with objects. You can only see this subtle thinking when sati and samadhi are good. There'll be many thoughts and they're fast. Behind this mental dialogue is some idea working in the background. Loba talks a certain way and dosa talks in a different way. So those are the that uh, desire and also aversion. You can recognize these things. In the beginning, you take the storyline as an object. Later on, when you see the thinking itself as an object, you don't pay that much attention to the storyline. You see the nature of thoughts and thoughts as objects to be known. So when we talk about in meditation, like drop the story, because that, those are those thoughts that, the, that we come up with, the brain 
comes up with. We have our storylines about why things happened, how things happened. Uh, and that, so when we drop those, it's, we don't want to be thinking them. We want, if anything, we want to recognize them as objects to be observed. In the beginning, I'm reading that over again. In the beginning, you took the storyline as an object. Later on, when you see the thinking itself as an object, you don't pay that much attention to the storyline. You see the nature of thoughts and thoughts as objects to be known. We don't get something just because we want it or just the way we want it. We can only get as much as there are causes and conditions in place for something to happen or how much we put into the practice according to our abilities. When we understand this point, the wanting for something or some experience will eventually lessen. It will be replaced by a wholesome desire to become skillful at cultivating the conditions to fulfill the causes through meditation. So, we're learning how to become uh, I like how he says this, become skillful at cultivating the right conditions, the conditions to fulfill the causes through meditation. So we can't just want something badly enough and make it happen. There are certain conditions uh, that have to be, that we have to develop. We have to develop those in our lives. For those who are trying to get the Dhamma, have you ever considered what the Dhamma is really about? That's a good question. Let's see. Let's read a little bit more, then we'll practice metta together. It is not easy to see the mind. When you do see the mind, it's not easy for understanding to arise. Defilements are even tougher to understand. You must always, always be interested in the mind and continually learn about it. Uh, I'm, I want to send that one out to Jim Kale, who's always, who's, who always is reminding us of how important the mind is. And uh, I think Ashin Tejaniya feels the same way. You must always, always be interested in the mind and continually learn about it. The most important ingredient here is having the right attitude. What is happening is Dhamma nature, an object to be known and or observed. Once there is right view and right attitude present, be diligent with moment-to-moment -moment awareness. Don't interfere with objects. Let whatever happens, happen, because it has nothing to do with you. Okay, don't interfere with the objects you're observing. Let whatever happens, happen, because it has nothing to do with you. You're trying to observe those objects. 
without you getting in the way. With momentum, the field of awareness expands, expands, and wisdom is sure to follow. When the observing mind grows in strength and wisdom, it will begin to see the different machinations and variations used by defilements. For now, defilements have all the entry points mapped out because the mind has been their playground for so long. The emerging wisdom is not smart enough to counter the defilements running circles around it. But there is no need to get upset over this. You can study and learn from each experience so long as there is awareness. So um, I just want to say one way for those conditions to be developing, so the things that we want with our, in our, with our meditation and the things we want from uh, our spiritual life, if those conditions include uh, living the Eightfold Path, you know, right view, right attitude, right effort, so the, the, the Eightfold Path is how we are developing constantly by working and living uh, as we are on that path with the path factors. That's, that is how we're finding the Dhamma and how we're, we're learning how to uh, create the right conditions within us. So this is wonderful. There's lots to think about, lots to remember in your practice. So why don't we practice some metta? The world needs metta right now. So just be aware as you get ready to sit for uh, in meditation how your body is uh, knows this. It's, it senses it. So your body is breathing. Be aware of the body breathing. Let's begin with gratitude for this breath. Every breath we take that's not guaranteed in a world, in, in any world. <laughs> so observe the body breathing. Breathe in that gratitude. Breathe out gratitude. May I be well, may I be content and truly happy, may I feel safe.
May I be at peace. Breathe in this kindness, this friendliness for yourself. And as you breathe out, breathe out this metta, this friendliness, this kindness. always begin with ourselves. We develop the quality within us and then we are able to share it. But we want to understand what it means to care for ourselves, to be kind to ourselves, to nurture ourselves. And we can understand how important this quality is for all beings. Now think of your loved ones, and it's okay to include your pets in this category. Your family members, your dear friends, people you feel closest to the animals you feel closest to. May all my loved ones be well. May they feel safe in the world. May be, they be free from suffering and the causes for that suffering. May my loved ones be content and truly happy. And may they live in peace. Let's begin to extend that quality of metta out further and further. We can extend it out to the people in our country. We want to get out into the whole world, but let's begin with all of those beings in this country, in this country and our neighboring countries, may all living beings, human and non-human in this, these countries, be well, Be free from fear and worry. 
feel safe and be content and be truly happy and may beings, all of these beings, live in peace. And send this out in waves. Feel it radiate out from you. And these waves, when they radiate out, are, they're, they're infinite. There's, they go and go and go. There's no boundary. There's no limit. So we aren't dodging anyone who may be an enemy. We aren't limiting our metta just to those who agree with us or those uh, we identify with. Metta has to go everywhere. So now allow these same thoughts to go beyond just our own boundaries, but out into the world and all the places in the world where there are people or animals suffering. So encircle our world Allow your own metta to encircle the world. May there be peace. Maybe there be may there be understanding. May all living beings, human, non-human, visible and invisible, in this world, in this universe. May there be peace, may there be understanding, Maybe, may there be goodwill from us to all of these beings. And may we allow this metta to just continue boundlessly, infinitely, May all beings be at peace. May all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May everything that we do or say or think be done for the benefit, not only for ourselves and our loved ones, but done for the benefit of all beings everywhere. May there be peace and may it begin with me. So have a beautiful day, have beautiful thoughts. Uh, rouse that interest in everything as an object.
So be well, happy, and peaceful. I'll see you. Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday. So it's good to see your faces. Bye-bye.